It's time for Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Now, settle down and listen up. It's time for Lax Class. What's up, lacrosse fans? Welcome back to Lax Class. Where are we at here? 139 Lacrosse Classified coming at you right here on the home of Lax Class, Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. That was a lot of lacrosses in about 30 seconds. Jake Elliott and back for another week is Evan Schemenauer as uh, another monster program lined up. Here on what was Canada Day a couple of days ago, we're recording on the 4th of July here today, Evan, and uh, big program, as I mentioned, we got our Stampede Stallion in quarter four. Quick sticks, as always, in quarter three. A great calls to the hall coming up in quarter two, and it's uh, well apropos that you're on board for this episode, being a former official yourself, Evan. I don't know if you ever, like, retire from, I guess you retire from officiating because Bill Fox did. That's who our guest is, but you could still referee from time to time, I suppose, as could he. Bill Fox calls to the hall. Looking forward to this uh, conversation with the legendary ref, Bill Fox. In quarter one, big focus coming up here in mere moments. But uh, before we get into all that, Evan, Canada Day a little bit different this year with with things coming to light in regards to the Indigenous. And I don't know about you, man, but I, like I wore orange this Canada Day. I didn't really celebrate the way I normally do, I, I suppose you could say, and just kind of took some extra time to, to reflect and and did a little reading and educating, and, and I don't know, man, just, it felt different this year. What about you? How's it going? Uh, I guess, I you know, it was different for me because my wife was working anyways, right? So to go out for a whole big family thing really wasn't on the cards. Um. Yeah, I mean, the news the day before of, what was it, another 182 grays in B.C., uh, you know, just continues to shine a light on the problems that uh, this country hit for far too many decades, even a century in some cases. And, you know, some neighbors decided that the city of Saskatoon did not have fireworks. Some of the neighbors decided they were going to have their own fireworks shows here in and around, and they did that last year, even with COVID, so that wasn't anything different, but uh, I, I had to work on Friday anyway, so for me, Canada Day really wasn't much of a celebration, I guess, but this reflection on First Nations, I've been doing this now for 14, 15 years. Of course, the news never gets easier as we continue to get see more and more of these stories, but um, well, you work with them on a daily basis, right, Evan? Like, you're you're a little more close and, and connected than most because you're you're working with them almost on a daily basis. Yeah, not any longer, but I was for over yeah. a decade. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it was a little, a little bit different of a Canada Day, and of course, Fourth uh, of July here today as we record, and and lots of things going on in the lacrosse world, of course, as well. I, I did want to mention this just before we go here because. 
Dale Sendate McComer, uh, Dale Sendate McComer sent me a little link on Instagram for a movie that he recommended I watch, and I want to recommend that movie right here, right now as well. It's called We Were Children. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this, Evan, but it's it's kind of the story of of two different Indigenous people that went to residential schools and kind of what they went through while they were there and things that went on around them. Pretty heavy duty stuff, so you know, grab your grab your box of Kleenex and and get ready. But it's it's a movie that will open your eyes and and well worth watching. So I highly encourage that. Um, big focus time, Evan. Let's let's just get into this. It's time for the big focus. Big focus. Big focus. Focus. Another than a big focus. Focus. Big focus. Big focus. Big focus. Big focus. Focus. Uh, big focus this week, Evan. We we kind of we talked about the potential or potential players that PCLC Panther City Lacrosse Club could draft, uh, and and literally the draft went down mere hours after the show posted, so we're kind of like a week behind here, but I still think it's it's totally worth talking about, because it's the big focus this week, as Panther City made their selections, and uh, first and foremost, uh, kudos to Joe Feld, Katie Lavin, Devin Caney, and, and the gang uh, down there in Fort Worth. Who like I don't know if you watched it, Evan, but like I I was kind of I was on the road for for a bit of it, so this thing came off very clean, very like precise, quick. Like it like I was really impressed how how it went so smoothly right out of the gate. So great job to everybody in that regard. And what do you what's your takeaways from this, Evan? Like I, there's some surprising picks, some not so surprising picks. I know. A few of the air quote experts didn't do particularly well in their in their mock drafts. I didn't either. I, I want to put that out there as well. But the thing with this is, is these expansion drafts, there's so many things that go on behind the scenes with GMs and coaches and all the rest of it talking to each other about what's going to happen, what they want, what they don't want. It's really hard to predict just off the list because there's so many backdoor deals, handshake deals going on in the in, behind the scenes that you really don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. It, now I went what seven for thirteen. And seven. That's the best. Up. That's the best I've heard. I got six. Yeah, I've seen a few with one. I, I was, yeah. I was kidding. Yeah. No. Um, you know, there were certain ones which. I don't think anybody in their right minds would have picked like Charlie Kitchen. N- nobody would have predicted that, right? Uh, Ryan Banesh. There is the big surprise. There's an interesting one. Now, whether the point of that is to flip him, I don't know. Keep in mind, Ryan Banesh actually makes franchise money. Yeah, I, he was signed as a franchise. And I player, saw so. Benny tweet out Ryan or Evan that. You know, he was excited to get started with the new franchise down mm-hmm. there in Fort Worth. He's going to have to add to his tattoo. I don't know if you've ever seen Benny's tattoo. He's got like a... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, slap another... But is it only the championship teams or is it... No, it's, I'm pretty sure it's all the teams he's ever played for in his senior career, like uh, MSL, WLA, and NLL. Because we we're, were talking about that, and I was corrected on this. So he's the sec- he's the second highest in active players amongst the number of teams played and third all time. 
right? Yeah. <laughs> so eight at the moment. Yeah. And well, uh, up there in so, scoring all time as well as Brandon. Which is shocking because the thing is, the guy that's in front of him is Dan Dawson also. Never gets talked about got, Ryan Benesh, eh? Like, I, I, not to get off track here, Evan, but, like, the guy, what is he? He's like eight, seventh all yeah. time in scoring? Something like that. And, like, when you talk about the greats of the game, he never, his name never seems to come up, and I'm not, and I'm probably just as guilty of it as anybody. But I'm not sure why. Maybe it's because he's been because, on so many teams. Well, it's not just that, but you don't see the big carpet sweep or jumping of the boards when he scores a goal, right? Yeah, he yeah, scores a goal, point. and it's a few fist pumps back to the bench, right? Yeah. yeah. And you, you you sit back and think about it. You watch a Brian Benesh game. And you're not thinking about him, and all of a sudden you look at the stat sheet. The other points. Seven points. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see if there's a flip involved there. I don't know. Um, you know, Matt Hosick being the the player they announced first. Mm. Very very key there that clearly Panther City wants to start to build a defense around him. That's how much they think about him because they could have named anybody first. It didn't matter who they picked first. Yeah. But, you know, they made a real point. Saskatchewan, not at the beginning of the alphabet, is, is your point there. No. Uh, the goaltenders, they did take the two of them in, in Damute and uh, Orlman. Yep. Which, smart. You know, smart, but keep in mind you're probably going to lose one of them a year from now. But, but that's, that's well, that. Yeah, still, that's still to be, like, I don't know if they're going to expose Panther City in that expansion draft. We'll see. I will see about that. They they have with the other teams, so yeah. I'm just kind of going on a pattern here. Sure. The now, interestingly, I was talking with uh, uh, Rushka Senior mm. soon after the draft, and you know how big this is for them because all of a sudden they were they were thinking, okay, number three guy, you can go back to school. You only have to make a few trips out a year. Now you're the backup. Yeah, and <laughs> and you're probably like if you're Lane, you got to be looking at like you're probably two, three maybe four years away from potentially being a starter. Oh, absolutely. And that's the thing. He's got the time because he hasn't had the experience, right? No. Uh, you know, a few of the guys I had to get right to kind of why I was at seven was Liam Patton and Phil Caputo. Uh, the Chris Wardle flip yeah. makes perfect sense. Although this is the second time in a row now that Chris Wardle has been drafted and flipped back. <laughs> Uh, that just means he's a wanted man in in Colorado, right? Like they they know they expose him, but they know they can get him back, and and they'll do that. So you're talking about the flip here, and I just want to get this in if I can, if I can find it in my notes here, uh, which I can't. So continue on with your thought. Sure. If you want the flip, basically they picked Wardle, flipped him back for Will Malcolm and Jordan Trotty. There you go. That's what it was. Okay. Okay. The the other flip that happened wasn't back to the other team. That was uh, they picked Scott Dominey off of Toronto and then flipped him to New York for Dawson Thiet. There you go. Right, which they could do that too. Now the one thing that we're going to start to see, and this is something you got to keep in mind, as the league has expanded quite a bit. We've gone from nine to fourteen in a relatively short period of time. Going to go to fifteen a year from now. If we look at the tight. The players that San Diego and Philadelphia were choosing, and we look at them today, the depth isn't nearly as deep as it used to be. Yeah, and this is something that is going to continue to be a problem. And 
we're starting to see this right now. Well, one more team, Evan, right? Like one more team is what they want, and then they're going to take a break on expansion. So Mm -hmm. I think it's there. I think it's there. But I like I really believe that, yes, at 16, let's take a pause here and and build up the the depth pool once again. And here's the other reason I like the two goaltender situation. Goaltending is starting to get shallow. Well, yeah. That's you know, the biggest you, thing. You went from 18 guys having a full-time job and 27 having a contract to now having, what is it, it works out to 42 on a contract. So you went from 27 to 42 in a couple of years. Yeah. There isn't the depth of goaltending that you're used to anymore, and there's only a handful of players because... And they're all Canadian. Limited exposure in the U.S. Right? Well, they, yeah, they're because all Canadian, the, and, and with the... The depth pool at player, like a lot of Americans are starting to be infused in the league, and they just don't have the caliber of goaltender in box lacrosse like they do in field lacrosse in in the States. So you're drawing from the player pool of North America, but when it comes to goaltender, you're essentially drawing from Canada, and and it's getting a little shallow. So we'll see how it goes. I mean, one thing you got to keep in mind still with Panther City, they still have the draft, um, although... This draft, the top five or so are really good picks, and then after that it drops off, so we'll mm. see how far that goes. But they also have free agency coming up. Yeah. And, you know, if you think back to what Steve Govett in his first year yeah. and, and and to the team there, Dawson, I think Billings. they signed 50 yeah. guys by the time they were done. It was absolutely crazy. Yeah. But that's what they're going to have to do is to find these guys that maybe have been out of the game for a couple of years. Maybe we're overlooked and give them another shot. Yeah. We'll see if Fort Worth is attractive as, as San Diego. Like having that, like just take a snapshot of the outdoor box and be like, yeah, this is where we practice. Uh, sign me up. (laughs) Okay. I mean, I've been, I've been to Fort Worth. I mean, it's just right outside Dallas. Yeah. Right? yeah so yeah. no, no, I'm not nothing against Fort Worth. I'm just saying it's not exactly SoCal, San Diego. So, anyways, let's uh, r- run down the picks here quickly before we move on. Evan Albany loses Albany Kit. I'm going to go in order here. So Buffalo, Liam Patton, Calgary, Patrick Dodds, Colorado, Chris Wardle. We told you about that. Orleman for Georgia, Banesh for Halifax, Connor Kelly for New York. That was, I got that one myself. Liam Burns, Philadelphia, Phil Caputo, Rochester, Nick David, Hasek, Domini, and Vancouver loses Sam Clare, which, man, that's a tough one there for the Warriors because Clare, I thought, was really kind of starting to come into his own. And you thought maybe, like, oh, do do people know? But the connection between. Kyle Goundry, who is the Western scout for PCLC, Sam Clare being a, a Ladner native, kind of coming up. So Gowns would know very well what Sam Clare is all about, and and clearly Hammer took his recommendation on the Warriors pick. Yeah, and the Warriors were a bit of a crapshoot because there was a lot of guys out there, but I think Clare was the second on my depth chart too, so the pick wasn't a surprise. I thought it was going to be Bunya, personally. I thought uh, Lyndon Bunio was going to be the guy to go, but uh, it happens to be Sam Clare. And look, uh, like Evan said, like I know Saskatchewan really wants to get Hasek back, but the asking price from Panther City is just not something they are willing to to give up at this time. So negotiations, deals happen as as things go along, but you know who they've selected here may not 
actually be the, the guys that they head into training camp with. We'll just kind of have to wait and see how all of that plays out. But there's your NLL expansion draft. Entry draft is coming up next and can't wait for that as we creep closer. Actually, today I saw Deputy Commissioner Jessica Berman tweet out, today, in fact, here July 4th is five months exactly until the NLL season gets started. I can't believe it. Uh, let's take a break, Kevin. Let's get to quarter number two, and it's time for calls to the hall. Bill Fox coming up here on episode 139 of Lacrosse Classified. We're back on Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network right after this. Associated Labels and Packaging, a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service. With 40 years of experience, an extensive product catalog, and an ever-growing fleet of equipment, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level. This is NLL Hall of Famer Colin Doyle, and you're listening to Lax Class. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Into the second quarter we go, but not before I tell you about our friends at Associated Labels and Packaging. 41 years in the business now, ALP is a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service. An extensive product catalog and an ever-growing fleet of equipment, Associated Labels and Packaging is your perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level. Find them at AssociatedLP, as in labelsandpackages.com. Appreciate their continued support and appreciate this man joining us here for our calls to the hall. Legendary official Bill Fox join us here on the program. Bill, thanks so much for doing this. How are things back there? Oh, things are great. It, uh, yeah, just rolling along, hoping that lacrosse can get back up and running as soon as we can here in Ontario. Yes, indeed. Uh, things just starting to open up here in British Columbia. So uh, we're actually playing lacrosse tonight here as we're recording on a Sunday. So I'm really looking forward to this. But we're here to talk to you about your legendary career that began back in 1992 20 seasons in the National Lacrosse League, six championship games as well. But maybe we'll go back to the beginning here, Bill. I always kind of like to do things in chronological order for some reason. But how did you originally become a referee? Well, I grew up in the east end of Toronto, started with Withrow Park, a small uh, little organization that the uh, city parks put on. And then uh, migrated my way down to the Beaches organization. And uh, they were in need for uh, referees back around 1973 with uh, the house leagues. And uh, and one of the gentlemen there that used to run the house leagues um, asked me if I would come on board. He also used to run the, um, the Toronto High School box uh, lacrosse that we have here. And so it was about 1973 I started to... Uh, to referee in uh, in the house like down at the beach and then migrated into uh, doing high school games which uh, at that time was really good lacrosse um, we had uh, Danforth Tech that probably won seven or eight years in a row a team in the West End called Parkdale which had a lot of kids out of uh, St. Christopher where John Tavares and Johnny Rosen a lot of the great players came from sure yeah so that's pretty much where I started and then uh Went on and continued to play and um, and coach down in the beaches area. Uh, it was a lot of fun uh, 
coaching young kids and watching them grow. A few of them actually ended up in the NLL. Uh, Gary Rosiski ended up uh, playing in the NLL. So, yeah, it was just a lot of fun. And then eventually uh, still played lacrosse, um, played some senior up in Orangeville when they started uh, the senior team back in 78 oh, with so all the Sandersons. Like, yeah, I was going to say, so yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. was quite the team back then. You must oh, have felt yeah, pretty we, insulated, safe around those guys. Well, you know something? Um, <laughs> when you're around Terry Sanderson, um, yeah, he was something else to be with, not only on the floor, but off the floor. And uh, just all the guys. They, uh, yeah. it, the, the old motto was, if one goes down, we all go down. Right. That was kind of like the motto with that team, yeah. So I played with them for a couple of years and then uh, played with Brampton um, Excelsiors in 80-81, won the Man Cup with the Excelsiors and, and – um, Still, still refereed a little tiny bit, and then migrated my way back into some coaching and and then a lot of officiating. Yeah, so so playing was was a big part of your lacrosse experience, and then when the the playing career kind of can't, that was when where you really started to focus on the efficiency officiating side yeah. of things. Yeah, I was I was still refereeing and uh, and coaching. I coached the uh, the junior B team that we had down at the beaches, and uh, we had a great team down there. Um, Point Edward uh, beat us out in the. Uh, in the Eastern Canadian finals. And they had a very strong team. A lot of those players ended up playing with the turbos a few years later. Actually, probably 80% of those guys ended up playing with the turbos. They had a very, very strong team. And, um, but my guys went on, uh, our, the beaches junior B team folded and they migrated up to uh, Scarborough and they ended up um, winning the founders cup, I believe was 85, all those guys. So yeah, no, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. And then, uh, then after that point, uh, really just, went pretty heavy into uh, into uh, both uh, refereeing field lacrosse and box lacrosse, yeah. Now, i got to ask you, in 1992, is this still the era of the short shorts and the knee-high socks? Oh, yeah. No, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We had uh, the black socks with the white tops, like soccer referee socks. Uh, we had the little short shorts and the long sleeve jerseys. Now, did you guys uh, get any say in that build? Like, did you get like, a, this is what you're wearing. We don't care if you like it or not. Or was it? Yeah. Well, it was interesting. So um, because the sport was hybrid and um, primarily, well, I was the first Canadian in the league. And uh, so they were really field referees. And that was their, their uniform, right? With the short shorts and the, the, the knee high uh, socks. <laughs> Awful. Luck, and like, um, yeah. yeah. So that's, that's where it kind of migrated. And, it, and I pushed the guys into uh, really changing into the, uh, like the CCM referee pants, like right. the long, long, dark pants. Yeah. And um, I ended up working a deal out with, uh, with CCM to, uh, to sponsor us. And, uh, and then Fox 40 as well came in and, uh, right. and sponsored us as well. Yeah. Now are you like Fox 40? Is that, is that you? Is that your family? No, name? no. Okay, okay. It, it's really, it's really funny. Cause I, I refereed some, uh, some international lacrosse, like the world championships, um, the U19 and uh, 98. I did the, uh, the uh, the games down in Baltimore, right. one of the, the best uh, field games that was played, went in overtime against the U.S. Oh, I remember. And then, um, yeah, and then the first uh, indoors, um, 2003, I think it was in Hamilton. So, yeah, did those. And, um, yeah, so it was uh, so it was Fox fun, 40, to... Yeah, Fox 40, for people that don't know, is like the universal yeah. whistle for – for most officials and I like yeah. I just to bring it back yeah. to the to the clothing thing like I, yeah. I I feel like referees get shafted in this regard like I I do a bunch of high school basketball and yeah. these referees Bill are still wearing like high-waisted polyester slacks for mm-hmm. their you know, like why I feel like you guys are being punished here why do they 
<laughs> get with yeah, the times well, and update we were, their 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 outfit. So let me tell you the worst thing. So um, back in in the early nineties, um, fights would break out, right? And um, and the carpet, and you'd have to go down and break up a referee, uh, break up a fight. Sure. And as a referee, you're you're down on your hands and knees, and you wouldn't believe the terrible rug burns that would last for forever and ever just trying to yeah. uh, get players apart and break up fights and um, getting the guys into uh, long pants uh, really took no, um, you know, no work for me at all. When I explained to them, here's what we're going to do. And they thought, great, we'll go for it. And then, like I said, CCM came on board. I was in a little bit of uh, sporting and business with my friend out here, Terry Rowland that uh, ran uh, SGX lacrosse here in Canada. And um, we're at a trade show, talked to the CCM guys and it was like, bang, they said, sure, we're right into it because they realize, uh, the t- you know, the, the crowds that we're getting in some of these venues. Well, just let me let me get this in here, Evan, since you brought up yeah. the the mention of fighting. And, and you know, we talked to we've talked to every just so you know, Bill, we've talked to every Hall of Famer prior to 2021. We're going to get all the new guys as well. So we've we've gotten some pretty crazy stories from from the guys from back in those early days of the MILL you being in yeah. the in the middle of some of those things the the bench brawls and the, the line brawls and and the crazy stuff that went on back then like did you ever did you ever take like a stray shot to the head or or maybe a memory that that sticks with you that was just like you got caught up in the middle of something that you were like holy shit like I should probably should get out of this well, not so much that I take a stray shot, but um, we had a game one night. Um, Boston was in Buffalo, and it's, the game's winding down. There's seconds left in a game, and Tavares goes into the crease, and, and Marty O'Neill decides that he's going to give oh, Johnny yeah. a little love tap in the back of the neck. Yeah, I got one of those and from then, Marty myself, so I know about that. Yeah, yeah. And then um, all heck broke loose. Uh, the Kilgores were on the floor. <laughs> Um, Marty ends up about um, 15 feet maybe to his left goal line extended. And so, and then one of the Kilgores came off the bench and drove him. I got to tell you, if you ever see the video, I think I have seen this video. He drove him above the dashboards. He's lucky. He, he ended up um, with his back hitting. It's the hardest check I've ever seen. Yeah. yeah, We had the the bench clearing brawl. Um, Every Buffalo player, pretty much were Canadian guys. They had their gloves off and buckets on, and a Canadian guy would uh, right away in an altercation flip a bucket off. So all the Boston players had their buckets off, being bare-knuckled by all the the Buffalo players, right? And, and, and... you know, and and the American players had their gloves on, yeah. so that that no fight idea was what to going, do, like no idea well, what to do. Everybody's involved, yeah. and and the worst thing the guy Marty could ever do was was touch John Traveris because yeah. uh, all hell broke loose. So what was interesting in that fight, you know, you go from one to another to another, and there are three officials on the floor, and our shot clock operator came on to help out, and we got a little somebody sort of cleaned up, and then the head referee at that point was Tommy Young out of Baltimore. Tommy says. Run the, run the game clock. He wound it down, and he said, oh, let's go. Yeah. And you know something funny? As soon as we left the floor, the players looked around and stopped. <laughs> Couldn't believe it. You know, you're going over, you're breaking one fight up, you're breaking another fight up, you're going over Bobby Hamley, you're breaking him up. Wasn't the guys, there a game? Looking at the Boston, yeah. I'm looking at the Boston player and saying, don't go in, you're all cut up, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and as soon as we left the floor, 
It just stopped. It stopped. It's funny, you know, they, yep. they do that in rugby. Like, there'll be a fight going on, and they just, like, they just play around them. They just let them go, and they'll figure it out, and they just keep the game yep. going. And eventually, the guys are like, oh, yeah, we should probably get back in the game here. So, I, I yep. often wonder whether lacrosse should maybe do that from time to time. But do you recall, Bill, as we speak with NLL 2021 NLL Hall of Fame inductee Bill Fox here, do you recall the game? I can't remember who the teams were involved, but literally, like, the PAA announcer was involved in the brawl, like, either, like, spurring them on or, like, talking to the crowd. I can, do, you, do you recall this yeah. one? Um, that, I remember something out of uh, It was uh, on ESPN, too, and the announcer were like, yeah. oh, man. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was the earlier days. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, they they used to get involved pretty pretty heavy and and chat away. The guy in the guy in Buffalo was fantastic as far as uh, you know talking and and, and getting the, the crowd all wound up. So it's it's possibly him, but it was yeah just a crazy. It's changed time. a lot, right? Like it's changed well, so a lot. Our our rule book, I, I gave it to um, one of the guys, Gary Goob out Groob out here, and yeah. uh, and it's it's um, probably about fifty pages. It, with the rule book so one night we had a fight okay i gotta tell you this story one yeah. night we had a fight both baltimore's in buffalo and believe it or not a fight breaks out and one of the players on uh, baltimore timmy welch trying to break the fight up and, and he kicks the buffalo player oh. so i go oh boy okay so i'll go over to the to the other referee and i said tambo richie tamborino i said tambo i said timmy welch just kicked the, the, the buffalo player he says what do we do i says there's nothing in the book right we had rules we had no situations there's nothing in the book he says what should we do i says says, we got to get rid of him i said if we don't get rid of him it's going to be bad so i got rid of him and put him out and timmy and the old auditorium you know you walked out and you had to go through all the fans through the hallways to get to your room and walsh just stayed outside the gate right and the fans are yelling at him and now we got the play going on and timmy's out there and he's yelling screaming and banging the glass so I look over at Tambo and I, on a break, I said, Tambo, I said, Welch is there. It's going to get bad. We got to get rid of him. So he goes over to the glass during the timeout and he says, Timmy, you got to go to your room. Big head nod. You know, no, I'm not going. Tam, this is classic. Tambo says, you don't go. You can lose a paycheck. He just turned around and walked off into his room. <laughs> it was, money, it was classic. Money but, is king, our, man. Money is king, right? Yeah. But our, our, um, our rule book was really small. Um, the game was a different kind of game. It was a true hybrid. And then um, the uh, director of officials came on board, Ronnie Wicks, uh, NHL uh, Hall of Fame uh, referee. He came on board, and um, we did a lot of work one summer putting uh, a lot of uh, rules in and situations and some American Hockey League rules, and we had to adapt into the, you know, the uh, the different penalty scenarios of we don't stack penalties. Third penalty is going to be penalty shot. So did a lot of work, but Ronnie – Ronnie did a lot of work putting uh, the new rule book in, and it still evolves. I did a game one night, Toronto's in Rochester, and we had a situation that happened, and we had a major penalty in the box and a minor penalty in the box, and the major penalty's got a goal attached to it, and the minor penalty's in there, and another penalty happens, the major penalty. So I go in and say, well, look at the other referee. I said, well, this one's not in the rule book. I said, uh, here's what we have to do. we got to take the major out, put the new major in, and uh, Terry Sanderson is going, Billy, 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 get over here. I go over. He says, what are you doing? What are you doing? I said, Terry, I said, this is the only thing we can do. We, he's got to come out. we got to put the other one in. But it was kind of disadvantaging because there was more time sure. than a major penalty. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and 
Terry says, show me that in the rule book. And I looked at him and says, it's not in the rule book. He goes, what? I said, it's not in the rule book. Not so that happened on the weekend. We have referee conference calls every Wednesday. And, and that one came up. And the question was, what do we do? And and I said, well, and Brian Lemon said, no, no, no. Let the crowd answer it. And uh, there was silence. And uh, he said, here's what, what transpired and here's what to do. And, and that situation went in the book. So... Uh, I guess my point is things still happen in games that um, aren't in the book. You know, you, you never, ex- yeah, you just don't think about it. Yeah. And I you don't like, think about it. And I got to give uh, kudos to Brian Lemon. Like the competition committee and, and the rule book committee are constantly working to improve the rule book and the game as a whole and, and do a fabulous job at that. Oh, it, it changes. Uh, you change the rule and somebody's going to look into it and, try to figure a way to circumvent that rule and, yeah. and, and work it for them. I mean, I got stories over the years that I could bring out the, not only the NLL, but the, uh, but, but the summer league. Sure. You know, I well, used to be do. on the, please well, do. <laughs> well, okay, here's one. I used to be on uh, a member of the, uh, um, the, the national certification program for officials, yeah. the NLCP yeah. official certification certification program. And, and we're sitting up in Ottawa one, one night going through all the different situations and, and our rule, our, what we had to do was was um, look at situations and rules and how to make the game better or or just talk about different situations that have transpired through the year. And and I said, you know what I'm going to do one, one game? And I said, after a goal, I'm just going to get the ball and give it to the goalie and tell the players to back out over the 15-foot free throw line, the dotted line, and blow the whistle and say, go. They said, you can't do that. I said, why? I said, what do you do after gold? They said, face off. I said, find it in the rule book. And you know something? The only thing in the rule book that talked about a face off was the face off should start the period or start the game. Yeah. There was nothing in their Canadian rule book that said after a goal, a face off. It's in there now. Yeah. Well, not but, sixes. But, I mean, it's not uh, Olympic uh, lacrosse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're not. They're not facing off after goal. So it's uh, yeah, yeah, it's a rule yeah. Book there. How do you feel yeah, about so, that, Bill? The fact that. There are so many different rule books for different leagues, different levels. Like to me, it's one of the most confusing mm-hmm. things about our sport is that you can watch a junior game in BC, a senior game in Ontario, a pro game in Calgary, a minor yeah. game in Saskatchewan, and it's all different. And it's and it's really hard to to understand as a, a fan, a broadcaster, and even as an official to have all those rule books stored in your head. Well, it sure is now, and you're exactly right. Things are done. We we have a, our national rule book, but then you have some variations from those rules in the different leagues that things you can do or or you know or you can't do. And uh, but by the time the national championships come around, it's by the rule book that from the CLA. And a lot of times that can be um, hard or confusing for some of the players, some of the coaches, some of the fans, some of the officials. To, to work out and um, officials are, are reactionary just like players are. I mean, I make a pass as a player, you know, and, and I break um, and, and you're ready for it. And, and my teammate knows exactly what I'm going to do. Well, the same thing happens as a referee. You see play happen and you react to it and you go, Oh, oh that uh, that's the summer special rule that the junior A league yeah. here in Ontario has, but yeah. we don't have it here. And, and that happens. That happens. And, and it, um, but being prepared, um, you know, one thing that the U S officials and, and doing field across at international level is, um, the, the pregame, um, that we go through, um, getting ready 
not just hours before the game going, hey, Jake, here's what we're going to do. Are you ready? Yeah, let's yeah, go. Yeah. yeah, Off we go. There are situations to go through, and as playoffs come in, the, the call sign is expect the unexpected. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen in the playoffs or the final game. And officials so get scrutinized almost more than any other person out sure. there, right? Like they're, they're heavily yeah. criticized and scrutinized for their work. Uh, do you know how many times a goal was scored? And one time I'm doing a game, I believe it was in Albany, and Rob Bladestill was the goalie. And um, ball goes in. He says he picks the ball up and he holds it in his palm of his glove. And I put my hand on top and I won't let go. He says, crease. And I said, Bobby, that's a good goal. He says, crease. And he's looking at the Jumbotron. He says he was in the – yeah, never mind. And he gave me the ball because <laughs> he saw it, right? I said, thanks, yeah. thanks yeah. Rob. So, I mean, that that happens. Yeah. And, and, and it's a game of inches. So, as a as – Anybody on the floor, you have to put yourself in the in the right place at the right time. Well, how do you do that? Um, you know, as as a hockey referee, as a basketball referee, or any other kind of official, don't watch the ball, don't watch the puck. You know, watch the full play. You know, the the, the puck or a ball or will look after itself. Um, as you go to the net, you'll gravitate to that point. But watch everything else because there's other things happening out there besides yeah. just the ball carrier or the puck carrier. And yeah. and you try to get that message off to the uh, to the officials. And I know you've mentioned the prep you have to do at the World Championships. Like I've refereed personally World Championships in another sport. Mm-hmm. The challenge I always found with those, they were the most challenging games I ever refereed for one reason. My partners were not from my country. Oh. Different systems, different rules, different mm-hmm. standard of the game to call. How did you adjust to guys that are half a planet away? Well, it's it's hard. Um, in the, I used to get in pregame, and some of the referees kind of from other places kind of knew. Well, I'm a Canadian, so I probably know more about lacrosse than they do. That's what their thinking is. But they would come up, and, and my question would be, what are you going to do if you see a penalty right in front of me? I, I go right to them and ask them that. And they go, some would say, I'll make the call, but the majority would say, uh, not call it. And I go, no, if you think it's a penalty, you call it. We can always work it out later. Maybe I'm looking through the play, missed the play, you know. But uh, it, what you had to do is explain to the guys. I, I and, and same thing in a man cup or a mental cup out here. You know, east, west, you know, you have different uh, sure. mechanics. Yeah. And and some referees would come to me and say, Bill, what do you want me to do? I said, referee your game because the team you came up with expects you to referee your game. I'll do my game. And halfway through the first period, we're going to be on the same page. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask right? you about that, Bill, as we speak with Hall of Famer right. Bill Fox. That get, First answer me this, point blank. Do makeup okay. calls happen? Do makeup calls happen? Uh, One word answer, yeah, Bill. Yeah. yeah. Um, Yes, in some situations, yes. <laughs> okay, that's that's yes. all I need to. Yeah. And then for uh, as no, no, no. Let right. me ask you this: as yeah. a as an official, yeah. a, and and managing a game, the managing. flow, managing. Yes, yeah. you know whether it's a an exhibition game, a regular season game, a playoff mm. game, a championship game, giving the guys the feel of what is going to be called that night, what is not going to be called that night, managing the game. How did you handle that situation? It's 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 easy. Um, I would tell the guys if you're doing a um, our our summer box game that has three periods, 
um, you're doing um, 60, 30, 10. And what I mean is 60% of your work is going to be done in that first period. It's nonstop talking. You should come off that floor horse. The players should know exactly where you stand. Love it. If somebody's, if somebody is on the edge, you're going to say, Hey, you do it Shorten again. Shorten it up. Yeah. I'm taking you. Shorten it up. Get your stick down and catch phrases. Get off the back. Play the ball. Yeah. You know, let him go. Push. Whatever it is. Yeah. 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 Don't grab. Like Brian Shanahan, I probably added another five <laughs> years on the life of his, uh, of his playing career. <laughs> Shanny would go and grab a guy and oh. I'd go, let go. And he would let go and he go, and I go, let go. And and I said, as long as you let go. And other guys I would go to that were on the edge. And I say, listen to me. Come here. I said, next time out, you play solid defense. You know, work. Don't do anything overboard. Yeah. You work. And when you finish that shift, the rest of the game, I don't have to Man, worry about And there's nothing more than I respected than an official who would talk to you while the play was happening and give oh. you that line where it was so you knew. Yeah, I would, I would sometimes come off the first period horse. And so that's your toughest period. That's a lot of work. The second period, you got about, yeah, maybe about 30% of, of, of your calls or your work. And then the, the third period, hey, your work's done. The players, the fans, everybody knows where you stand because you've worked hard in that first. And the second one is, point is, treat every game the same. I did a junior B game years ago with another fellow official. And it was bottom dweller teams. And he got in the room in the be, between the first and second period. And he said, this is crap lacrosse. And I looked at him <laughs> and I said, you know something? Yeah. No it's such, the only game we have. No such thing. No and such and thing. this is, to these guys, this is a great game. Yeah. So years ago, we had a team coming up to the north in the junior B league and a team from the south. And they were both bottom dwelling teams. And I was with a really good friend of mine, another fellow official, Scotty Malloy. We you know, we grew up together. Our kids played together. They played hockey. Scotty and I did a lot of ice hockey and, and, and lacrosse, and he was an NLL referee. And we're doing a junior B game up north. Two bottom-dwelling teams. You know something? What a game. Because they were on the same page, the same level. Yeah. And we treated that game just like we would doing a major game or a junior A game. And and everybody came off the floor, and you know what they said? They thanked us very much for for the game because we went out and treated it as we would any other game. And I think that's important. Absolutely. Now, one thing I was going to ask you, because refereeing is the absolute worst job sometimes, because <laughs> if you do if you do everything right, nobody mm-hmm. notices. If you do yeah. anything wrong, everybody's oh, yeah. just noticing all over you. And sometimes when you do it right, you got the people that don't know the rule book too well and <laughs> believe you've done it wrong. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with all this pressure of, you know, 15,000 people in the home building wanting to rip you apart while you're trying to concentrate on the game. Yeah, I, I think I used to go on understanding that um, what it was like to to be booed by, you know, 15, 19,000 people in Philly or Toronto or, or the 10 or 11,000 people in Rochester and, and same at Buffalo. Um, they're fans, right? It could be the, the best call. You know, I, I got the guy. I, I, it's a great you know, it's a it's a good call or a great call, or or a bad call. But you go in and you just. I used to tell the guys, I said, once you put your hand up, make your signals blow the whistle like you're gonna break it. Make your signals big, <laughs> go over and yeah, you know, make everybody believe it. You, you had ever, it right. You go ever have to it. hold your arm <laughs> up so long on a delayed call it got tired? Oh, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I have. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, you know, hit the pipe and go, 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 yeah, and your yeah, fingers yeah. start to tingle. Yeah, you go, oh boy. Yeah. Uh, last yeah. one here for you, Bill Fox, yeah. and and we've been asking all our Hall of Famers this question, and I know uh, Roy got in with you, Tambo didn't, so I, I don't want mm. you to say Tambo because I think he's he's going to go in because he was on. Oh, he on will. The but oh. for you, yeah. it, and it could be a, a coach, a player, another referee, a builder, whoever you think. But mm. one guy that that's currently not in the National Cross League Hall of Fame that you think belongs in there. Oh boy. You know, this class was incredible watching these guys get in. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that, um, that, that is, that is tough. We've had so many in, incredible, um, players get in. Um, one guy I would like to see and had a lot of respect for was, uh, out West, uh, was Darren rising. Mm, yeah. Oh, you know, so much respect. Crap would happen. Um, there would be heat players would be all angry and Derek would come over and say, you know, Foxy, you know, chat with you a little bit. Yeah. He might get a little heated, but he he played the game the way it's supposed to be played. Yeah. And and uh, he he didn't command the respect. He was respected. Yeah. Yeah. You're bang yeah. on there, Bill. Uh, yeah. Big fan of Ziggy. And he's doing great things out oh. here in Victoria with Claremont and spent yeah. a long time with the Ravens there. Team Canada, all of it. And fantastic Everything. player. Had a lot of battles against Darren Rizig. And uh, apropos, I yeah. find that uh, very interesting, very telling, Bill, that you would pick yeah. a Western player being an Eastern referee as, as your selection. So I really appreciate that. And I appreciate your time. If you if you're on Facebook, Bill has helped start a page on Facebook that is just got some amazing content. Just before we let you go, Bill, do you want to put that out there for fans if, uh, sure. if they want to check that out? Yeah, um, Erica Woolley has come on board. Um, she, her father played lacrosse. Perry, yep. and, um, was was also into uh, a lot of the newspapers. Um, she's acquired all his all his work, and she's done an incredible job. She has. I, um, yeah, she's come on. Um, I noticed her work and asked her if she would help me administer the page, and it's just gone crazy. Blown up. Um, yeah, um, like eight thousand plus people and and growing every week. And and the whole reason why I started it's called Lacrosse History past present future um hey if you got something growing in the game you want to grow it post it you know you want to talk about what's going on tonight post it well we post the memories of the past we post the podcast in there at least i do every single week so i appreciate you giving me that avenue for the pod and i love checking out that page so uh do that and bill just you know, an amazing 20-year National Cross League. I can't imagine the the memories and stories you have in your head for everything that you've seen over your time as an official. Congratulations on just an amazing career and, and being inducted to the Hall of Fame. Looks good on you, and we appreciate you making some time here on Lacrosse Classified for us. Yeah, and thank you very much for this opportunity to explain some. Hopefully I brought a couple, a little bit of humor into the game. Um, as far as telling some of the stories and yeah, I do have a lot more stories, but, uh, yeah, it was quite an honor to be, uh, not only selected, but to be inducted into the uh, hall of fame. Absolutely. Well, well earned and well-deserved. Thanks for doing this. Thank you very much. Have a good night. There you go. There's Bill Fox, Evan. And, uh, man, when you talk about referees in the national Cross league, Foxy is like, he comes to the top of the pile and it was no doubt that he was going into the hall when his, when his number came up. I think you need to have him back on because those oh, stories are guy, terribly interesting, right? Oh, my right? God. I, could, I and, could listen to that for forever. I really could. Yeah. That's the thing. The referees can sometimes sit back and watch a game. And it's like, 
I can't believe what I'm seeing, but I still got to react. To totally it. different right. perspective than any other person out there, right? The coach, the players, the goalie, the fans, the officials have a mm-hmm. unique view like nobody else out there. But he's so right on this game management and that first ten minutes, especially setting the tone. Yeah, you know you're gonna you're gonna know huge. what the standard is Absolutely if you huge. set it properly, yeah. right? Yeah. Now that that standard could change. That might change because. The game got off to a nice start, and all of a sudden, started getting ugly in the in the third quarter. Yep, yep. or score That's gets out of hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. But you know, if you manage to talk to guys, you're going to talk yourself out of probably five to ten penalties a game. <laughs> I hear you. Well, that was a, a fantastic conversation. We'll have Roy Condon on, so we'll be able to talk some more stories from officials here in the coming. Weeks, but of course, Evan, our calls to the hall brought to you by Stampede Tack and Western Wear, who love hard work and people just like Bill Fox and lacrosse folks. That's why they carry a wide range of CSA work boots designed for those who work hard and are tough on their gear. With boots such as Steel Toe, Work Hog, or Turbo Styles from Ariat, there is no doubt these boots will keep you on any job or Try the Green Patch CSA line of boots from Blundstone or Bobcat Boot from Redback. They all help get the job done right. And, of course, Stampede also carries some homemade Canadian work boots from Boule or Canada West. Out there in Cloverdale since Stans, since 19... 19- out there in Cloverdale since 1966, Stampede Tack and Western Wear. Stampede.ca, where shopping online is still shopping local. Can't thank Stampede Tack and Western Wear enough. Evan, great chat there with Bill Fox. Still got a half a program to go. Third quarter, it's halftime. Third quarter action is next year on Lax Class. Keep it right here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Hey, this is Zach Courier of Team Canada Lacrosse, the Calgary Roughnecks, and Peterborough Lakers. You're listening to Lax Class. Into the second half we go here on Lax Class. Jake Elliott, Evan Sheminar with you. Let me just uh, meet that right there. Thank you. Uh, Vancouver Warriors, we, we mentioned Sam Clare. That's who they lost in the expansion draft. Of course, the Warriors holding, you also mentioned, Evan, the top five, six picks of this upcoming draft are going to be real good players. And Vancouver sitting there in the four hole. Do you got a do you got an early prediction on on who might be coming Vancouver's way come entry draft time? Couldn't go that far down. I mean, Donville's got to go number one, doesn't he? Yeah, it's pretty much a given. Yeah, I would say that you got Nanakoke, you got uh, Lanchbury, you got Shumay coming up. I think that's their guy right there. If Patrick Shumay is sitting there at four, being a local kid, the best defender in the draft. I don't think you can pass up on that. That's Vancouver needs to get younger and bigger on the on that back end, and he fits the bill perfectly. And if they don't, you know, if, if somebody selects him before those other three offensive guys, then you cannot pass up on any one of those guys either. No, I mean it's not a case of Vancouver's looking for a specific position. Yeah, they're looking for the best player they can get. They they need to build up everywhere. So take the best you got. Forgive me if you can hear my ice cubes rattling in my cup here, Evan. I'm just getting a, a little iced coffee into me before. I got to go to work after I'm done this. Uh, maybe we'll start with VancouverWarriors.com. Nothing's offside. At NLL Warriors, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, they're always updating their social channels. And if you want to follow along, VancouverWarriors.com. 
all the latest information is there for you. I'm just I'm having a nice coffee here, Evan, because uh, might get a little emotional here, man. I'm I'm not even lying. I get to call <laughs> the cross game tonight from my hometown, the Palace on Poirier. The XLL kicks off tonight, Evan, and I'm putting the headset on, and I could not be more fired up. I'm a little bit nervous. Uh, you know, this is not something I'd ever get nervous about doing, doing like a, a summer lacrosse game because I've done so many, but it's been so long since I've done it. I just hope I remember what I'm doing when, <laughs> when lights come on. But, man, oh, man, the wait oh. has been excruciating and i could not be more fired up to to strap on the headset and, and call some lacrosse man holy cow you won't lose you won't lose your touch believe me because you look at my situation in the past when i was refereeing those world ball hockey championships yeah i would go like a year sometimes without a competitive ball hockey game because we didn't have the proper arena in bermuda right so it didn't take me that long to get right back well it's been almost two for me so yeah, it's been a while. Been a while. But hopefully, you know, this extreme lacrosse league starts to fill a void like they do out in Ontario with the ALL yeah. off season, or the, during the NLL season. Yeah, well, this is just a, a kind of a summer series, right? It was kind of a, once we kind of got the idea that it was going to be okay to play, we wanted to give uh, an avenue for for players that weren't going to have a home to play this summer. Somewhere to go, somewhere to play. So it's a bit of a hybrid, like it, it's it's. I can't quite explain. Like, it's three teams. It's going to be, like, eight weeks. There's a bit of a combination between summer and, and NLL. Like, we just kind of wanted to get this going. But when where I'm going with this is is when fall rolls around and XLL winter season comes back, that is going to be much more in line with the National Lacrosse League season and their rules and players available and all the rest of it. So guys are kind of all over the place right now. Like, senior A guys are doing like a once-a-week kind of practice shoot-around with their respected teams. There's a couple of senior B teams that are trying to make something go with expanded rosters and an exhibition series and stuff. So a bunch of guys are, are doing that. There's a lot of guys that are just saying, like, I've been cooped up for the last 16, 17 months. I got a couple of months of summer before I got to start working out and getting ready for NLL season. I'm going to take the summer and just chill. Which I totally get, and then there's guys that are chomping on the bit and, and want to play and, and get their skills going again, so those are the guys that have signed up to the XLL. Still a few spots available if you're listening to this and, and want to join up. We still have a few spots to, to fill to fill up some rosters, so bcsportstv.com. bcsportstv.com is where you can watch the XLL. I know you're not going to hear this before the first game tonight, but uh, if for future reference, every Sunday night around 6 o'clock Pacific time, I believe, is is when face-off is. I hope it is. Anyways, otherwise I might be late. That's, uh, that's where you can find it. That's where you can watch it, and I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, actually, BC Junior A and Junior B, or Tier 1, as they call it now. I've just called it Junior B for Pete's sake. Uh, anyways, those two leagues are, are getting going as well. So lots happening here in British Columbia as far as lacrosse goes. As like, man, Evan, Friday I was was out there in, in the world not wearing a mask. And, man, it felt weird, but it felt good. And not to get off track again here because I seem to be doing that a lot this episode, but... Like, I was kind of taken back. Like, the restrictions were lifted, 
But I guess, like, it took a long time for everyone to put a mask on. And I think it's going to take probably the same amount of time for people to start taking their masks off. Didn't for me, but a lot of people were still wearing them. Yeah, Saskatchewan's not until next a week from now yeah. that that changes. Uh, and there's still actually going to be a number of businesses, mo- like mostly um, service businesses for professional businesses, where they're actually still going to require the mask for some time. The yep. businesses are allowed to do that. Yep. Um, to me, I'm I'm much more on the cautious side. Given my daughter's situation, I've been on the yeah, yeah. on that side for some time, and you know, I'm still not comfortable because Saskatchewan, we're we are dead last. No, sorry, not dead last. The only place behind us is Nunavut in the country in vaccination rate right now. BC, so we Evan, went from, we BC, went from first to last, number one <laughs> in the world. Yeah, so in Saskatchewan, there's a larger anti-vax community i'm not nearly as comfortable right now being in a group of people without masks even though i'm fully vaccinated Uh, fair enough to each their own like i'm not judging anybody i was just kind of like man like i (laughs) i could not wait to take that thing off and uh, i got my second jab uh well yesterday when this podcast comes out you'll i've all i've already have been double vaccinated, so I'm I'm looking forward to that. BC number one in the world, Evan. Like I cannot be more proud of of that. Really, world, the world, Evan. Uh, quick sticks continuing on here. Uh, the Albany Firewolves, Evan, have rejigged their logo, their redesign, if you will. Uh, early thoughts on on this neat little logo. I can't complain. Um... At first, I wasn't a fan of the nickname. It's starting to grow on me a bit. So. Firewalls, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the the original logo that they came out with, very similar to Stony Brook, and I don't know if that caused a bit of a riff between that school and, and that team, and that, that's why. But I don't mind the, the, the rebrand here. I think uh, they worked in some corporate sponsorship into it as well. And listen, like if, the, if it was an issue and Albany – like. They did the right thing, and I think they might have done a little bit better than they originally did in the first place. So I'm I'm cool with it, and and I like it, and and I I want to see it like on a full jersey. I want to see the the turf, and then kind of make my final decision on it. But I, it's growing on me. Peter Milliman named the Iroquois Sixes coach. So these guys are are getting ahead of the game here. Peter Melman named the Iroquois Sixes head coach. What do you think about this? You know, I'm actually more interested in see what the Sixes is going to look like. I think this is a game where the Iroquois could actually be well, far better. You know, <laughs> their too. running gun game is designed for this yes, type it of is. game. Yes, it and is. And I'm still not certain as to, as to how I feel as to how it's going to play out yeah. with this six on six yeah. because it's like, okay, well, he just gave us a box across game and took out the boards. Essentially, essentially but, a few, few tweaks there. It's going to be really interesting to see how coaches formulate their rosters. Like if they put pure D guys on there, or if it's all O and, and just try and outscore the other team, or it's a mix of both. You know, are you are you going to have a, a balance of lefties and right? Like it's I, I give me interesting how to see well, teams pick their pick their teams. 
like, I mean, if I'm Canada, the first guy I'm putting out there is Challen Rogers because I know he can play both ways. Yeah, like Courier, right? Rogers, like Ian McKay. Yeah, play both ways. Like right? I think it's that's going to be the type of player that gets picked. Guys that the five tool guys that can do it anywhere on the turf. So it's like I said, going to be real interesting to watch. Speaking of watching and interesting, uh, this uh, story kind of crossed my path. Rob Pinnell, PLL star. He's taking on the Ninja Warrior course. <laughs> Watch this stuff. This is spectacular stuff and like the ultimate kind of test of agility and strength and speed and power, all of it. Rob Pinnell, who's, let's face it, pretty put together, Evan, is, is going to take a, a crack at the Ninja Warrior. So this kind of led me down the road of, of who the best NLLers would be to take on this, this course. Have you seen the show? Do you well, know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I mean, there's an obvious first. It's Graham Hossack, and I mean, let's put it this way: if he can bolt through that course in record time, we know he's not human, right? No, but you have to be—you <laughs> have to be like, you know, I think a little bit smaller and agile. But I, if anyone, the cyborg, I think he. I, I look at a guy like Anthony Malcolm. You know what I'm saying there? Like a guy like that, Capito. Yeah. But, but then I, I said Rogers and Messenger were like my two picks. Yeah, I, I don't know if Messenger could do it fast enough. I mean, he's he's big. And, uh, yeah, he just like right? just tear tear down the equipment and just keep walking. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so yeah, keep an eye out for that. I don't know when it's going to air, but uh, I'm sure I will by the time it does. So good luck to to Rob Pinnell. And speaking of of good luck, uh, Darren Leptrot, who we've we've talked about on this program, he went through a horrific. Situation at, at a Catholic school when he was younger, abused and, and all the rest of it. Uh, now, well, used to Evan live in Linton, British Columbia, who I'm sure you are aware of now has literally burned to the ground. 90, 95% of the, the village has just been torched by wildfires and including Darren's house who, you know, like I, I don't know how long he's been living there. It hasn't been long, but literally had to evacuate his place with with the clothes on his back and is going through some tough times right now. So the Tri-City Masters Group has put together a GoFundMe fund for for Lippy, and if you can support, help out, please do. Uh, E-transfers to debherd at shaw.ca. I believe uh, I will repost the GoFundMe page on my Facebook if you want to find it there. But if you can help in any regard, this guy needs it uh, more than than most right now. So please give a hand to my buddy Lippy and uh, a couple more quick sticks here, Evan. This man, Paul Rabel, over the weekend became again as I'm going to use air quotes here on an audio podcast, uh, became the all-time pro. There's the air quotes, Evan. Pro lacrosse scoring leader. And (laughs) listen, uh, no disrespect whatsoever to Paul Rabel. He has been a fabulous player his entire career and done some really special things with our game and, and a guy that I respect and quite frankly admire for what he has accomplished in our sport. What gets me... Richest lacrosse player out there. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, well, we put Josiah in that category. I think he likes to play a little lacrosse as well. But um, where I'm going with this is the PLL seems 
absolutely determined to go down the path that they are the one and only pro lacrosse league. And this is offensive to me. Like, clearly, you're not the only pro lacrosse league. The National Lacrosse League has been around 35 freaking years and puts a ton of fans in the stands around North America. And for them to... And, and listen, like the NLL, I saw Jessica and Nick tweet out congratulations to Paul and, and all the rest of it. But this seems really disrespectful to me. Announcing their Hall of Fame as the Pro Lacrosse Hall of Fame. And saying that Paul is the all-time Pro Lacrosse leading scorer. That, to me, disrespects the National Lacrosse League. It disrespects guys like Gary Gate and John Grant and John Tavares. And I, I don't know why they need to to go down this road like there is clearly room for both of these professional leagues to coincide in harmony and one league seems to want to do that and the other league seems to turn their nose up at it i don't understand and given the fact that the largest shareholder in one league is kind of the largest shareholder in the other league yeah it's kind of funny right um I mean, Paul did play in the National Lacrosse League. He did win a championship in the National Lacrosse League. And just the whole thing, they just seem to, like, it doesn't exist. We don't acknowledge the National mm-hmm. Lacrosse League. And I, and I, that's not the way to go about things. It's just not. No. The, here's the thing. Now, for the Americans that don't understand what the Canadians' problem is here, if they had said Paul Rabel is the pro field lacrosse all-time leading scorer, 100%, we all would have been happy and celebrating. That's all you had to say. All you had had to say. Just add one word to it, field lacrosse. Because the thing is, pro lacrosse, he's 1,200 points behind Junior. (laughs) Right? We're talking he's not even halfway there. We're talking he's not even in the top 20 all-time. Okay? So they should have celebrated it as a field lacrosse thing. And the PLL does this. If you ever listen to the PL broadcast, they'll – don't get me wrong. I love watching PLL. So do I. Okay? Love it. But here's the thing. Every time they mention a, an NLL player, they talk about playing the box game and never mention the league. Name, and that's ever. clearly mandated, right, Evan? Like right. that. And, and, like, listen, one of their announcers, Ryan Boyle, he works for a National Lacrosse League team. Yeah. And even going so Play far, this is one thing that just irked me right from the start is that they called their winners world champions. Sorry, there's a world championship. The U.S. are the world champions, not the winner of the PLL. You're PLL champion. The NLL seems to take care of that one relatively well. Georgia Swarm didn't, but everybody else seems to. The thing is, they got to realize that unless they're willing to pay these guys full-time wages to work for the league 12 months of the year, they got other jobs to go to. There's other lacrosse leagues. And unless these two are merged together, no dice, right? Yeah. I'm happy for the fact that the PLL is where it is because it is leaps and bounds above where the MLL ever was. 100%. But we got to get off this high horse here and start to embrace things. Because the thing is, had they said Paul is the world or pro field lacrosse all-time scoring leader 
this would have been a great thing. Everybody would have celebrated. Yeah. You wouldn't have this. Instead, it was like you a know, Twitter now, fire of, of guys going, no, he's not. Yes, he is. No, he's not. Like, why? Why? Do you, you know, there's, again, there's room for both. And the, the stronger that relationship is, the better off our sport is going to be. And the better off both leagues will be if they can find a way to coincide and work together. It was like my hope from the start when this PLL-MLL merge happened that this relationship would blossom. And it just, it seems like the NLL is more than willing to extend the olive branch and the PLL could not care less. And I don't get it. I just don't get it. Evan, let's move on. Uh, Last quick stick I have here is NLL 35 moments. This actually went down on... My 16th birthday, Evan. April 7th, 1989, the NLL Philadelphia Wings win their first championship in their third season in the major indoor lacrosse league at the time, defeating the New York Saints 11-10. The Wings would go on to play in nine of the next 13 championships from 89 to 01, winning six of them. Hashtag dynasty. Philly Wings were an absolute wagon during that stretch, excuse me, during the choke me up. During that stretch, Philadelphia was just like they were untouchable, really. Literally, they were the team until Toronto Rock came around. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like that was literally, yeah. Well, Buffalo got uh, a little piece of the pie yeah. in there as well. But yeah, uh, absolutely. So keep, keep watching those, man. I, I look forward to the NLL 35 moments almost on the regular. I. I was going to go through this list as as last quick stick here about all the players and stuff that teams released over the last week or so. And I think it's probably a little bit confusing to fans, but don't fret too much. If you see like a big name on a list that got released, chances are there's a a handshake in place where they're just going to turn around and Mm -hmm. and re-sign with their team. So don't like, this is what kind of gets me. This kind of stuff where it happens, we know why it's happening, but the fans don't really know why it's happening. They get sent in a frenzy and a panic, and then two weeks later they're like, "Oh, so don't don't worry. Yeah. Your 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 players aren't going anywhere." Well, they might be going somewhere, but the thing is, the big names that were on that list for the most part that got released are free agents, anyways. So. The teams had to get their rosters down to 31. Now, normally this isn't an issue in June. The only problem is we never had a training camp for a season. Yeah. So all the guys that were signed a year ago that never played still have their contracts active. So that's what the problem was. Now, what you're looking at is if you released a guy that's going to be a free agent anyways, the only, difference, the only difficulty is you don't have that window from now until August 1st. To exclusively negotiate. You're more or less taking the guy at his word that he says, don't worry, I'm not going to sign anywhere else. I'm, I'm still a, a roughneck or whatever. Right. But at the end of the day, he, you know, he's going to, if he wants to leave, he's going to leave anyway. Yeah. It's not like yeah. anything that's going to change here. And, you know, the other interesting one was that trade, which kind of just kind of filtered underneath the carpet with that transaction listing that was a mile long with, Mike Mallory coming to Saskatchewan. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mike Mallory. So that second round pick coming back the other way to Vancouver. And and that's what Vancouver gave up to get Mallory, I believe. Travis Burton 
second-round pick. And uh, so they, they get a pick back. And Saskatchewan, they get McMallory. And, and I don't know whether that's going to be a case where he's going to play in transition or maybe up front. Or could it be potentially stockpiling some depth to get another player back, a.k.a. Hawson? So we'll see. Or you still got what eight or nine unrestricted free agents? Yeah. Outside. Well, what do they got over there? Could they be, got could be you're filling a hole. Church, Dinsdale, Murphy, Courier, and now well, Church Mountain. is now signed. Yeah, but I'm just saying I'm looking yeah. at the right handed side of depth. Mm-hmm. Uh, so f- what do they got? They got f- five guys over there and potentially four spots. So we'll see how that uh, little situation plays out but i think you know probably more trades to come here in in the, in the coming weeks as well so stay tuned for all of that evan that was an absolute monster of a third quarter we still got one to go fourth quarter time is coming up stampede stallion of the week is next hey this is jesse king of the calgary roughnecks and victoria shamrocks you're listening to lacrosse classified growing the game one podcast at a time Fourth quarter action is underway. Blow the whistle. Let's play some lacrosse. Uh, fourth quarter action here. Jake Kelly, Evan Schemenauer, Lax Class. And before we, we get into our Stampede Stallion, i got to let you know that you should follow us along on social media. Evan, I haven't done this for a while. Shem Lax is where you can follow Evan. Uh, lacrosse Flash, Random Thoughts. He's putting out some articles later and uh, always got a take or two so shemlax is where you can follow evan you can follow me at pxp for sports pxp the number four sports wherever your social like any social media platform you'll find that handle for me the show is at lax class on twitter at lacrosse classified on instagram please smash that follow button and speaking of smashing smash the subscription button as well wherever you're listening to this podcast right now hit that subscribe button and while you listen to our Stampede Stallion of the Week, you can put down a little review as well. That helps our listenership, our engagement, our outreach, all that good stuff. Just a couple of words down there, positive, negative, whatever. Put something down. And we got a Facebook page, and we got an email as well, lacrosseclassified at gmail.com if you're not one of those social media types, but you still want to get at us on the show, lacrosseclassified at gmail.com. Evan, uh... The horses are hungry here, so let's head for the stables. We have reached the Stampy Tack and Western Wear stables here, Evan, and uh, I know this is only your second week back, but I got to pick last week, so I... I turned it to you. I said, come up with a Stampede Stallion. And I I sent a message out to Brad, and I don't think we have had this guy on. I don't have – Brad has the list. I don't have the list. But I don't think we've had this – this guy is not part of the stable, and I'm kind of wondering why he's not – we haven't picked this guy. Maybe we have, but I don't think we have. But I will let you roll out. And and for people that are new to the program, Stampede Stallion, just to shine the spotlight on on a guy that doesn't get a lot of spotlight but deserves the spotlight here. And and this guy definitely does. Stampede Stallion of the Week, Evan. So the definitions you gave me, first off, a guy that had been around the league for a while that isn't getting the accolades he is. Now, the first thing that always turns my mind, don't get the accolades I do, is always the defense. Right, mm-hmm. defense rarely gets the accolades that the offense does. So let's start with the defense. And 
there's one guy who, to be frankly honest, when you look at his career stats, they are phenomenal, and they've been lost behind everything that ever you know around his teammates. And the stallion this week is Brett Midsky. Ski. This is a guy that now this is the unfortunate thing for Vancouver Warriors fans. He's been signed with you for two years and he hasn't played yet. <laughs> well, firefighter <laughs> because, probation and then and then the pandemic. So yeah, yeah. And uh, oddly enough, I think when he goes to Vancouver, he might still not be that big in because you're going to fall behind Matt Beers, right? But I was looking through his stats. Here's one thing: in what was it five years ago? Mitski was third in the league in cause turnovers. Nobody would have possibly known that, and here's why. The two guys that were ahead of him, Ryan Dilks, Kyle, Kyle Rush. Rush, right? <laughs> <laughs> Those three guys on the same side of the ball, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's, that's why Brett Mitski doesn't get looked at. And, you know, it's just this guy that's just tenacious as could be, gets in on your hands, and it's, Strong you know, as an ox, Evan. Like, I mean, the, the way he can check the ball out of your stick and, and cut the, the ground that he patrols, like, he covers more space than most guys. I don't know how to describe, but, like, as a defender, you, you're kind of responsible for, like, an area on the turf. His area is bigger than most guys. You know what I'm saying there? Turns 32 in, in a few weeks from now, but two years off, I think, might do Midsky some good as far as his physical health. He's consistent as can be when it comes to games played. Always healthy, so a little rest. Going to wear number 20, it looks like, in Vancouver with Beersy wearing number two. Midsky will take on number 20. Over, well, 168 games and, you know, always good for a handful of goals and, like, doesn't take a lot of penalties. He's never going to hurt you and can go up and, and, you know, set some picks on offense and pot one in the, in the net every now and then as well. So I really love the Brett Mitski pick this week. And, and I, just generally one nice guy. Yeah. Oh, you know, that's I mean, the thing. Yeah, like seriously, the whole the whole family is is like that. But Brett Mitski, not you're not going to meet a nicer guy than Brett. But he's not so nice when he's out on the turf. He's going to look good in Warriors colors and the pride of New Westminster. Brett Mitski, welcome to the stable, brother. You are this week's Stampede Stallion, and the Stallion of the Week brought to you by our good friends at Stampede Tack and Western Wear, of course, out there in Cloverdale since 1966, Highway 10, 180th. So get out there. We can shop local if you're local. But if you're not, Stampede.ca, where shopping online is still shopping local. Of course, they're Canada's biggest dealer when it comes to Wrangler. But they got more than that. Riding gear. If you got a motorcycle, you need some leathers. Check them out. Hats, boots, belts, buckles. You name it. They got it. Stampede.ca. Shop local. Shop online. And support our sponsors. Uh... Fabulous sponsor of Calls to the Hall right there. Evan, that was a monster program. Uh, we thank you. I thank you for, for stepping in once again this week. We thank you, the listener, for checking out Lax Class each and every week right here in the home of Lacrosse Classified. The Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Huge thank you goes out to Bill Fox for stopping by, making a little time for us here and to our sponsors, of course, Associated Labels and Packaging, the Vancouver Warriors, and Stampede Tack and Western Wear. 
couldn't do it without you guys. Please help us out and support our sponsors. We'll be back next week, every week, with another episode of Lax Class, but this one is now over. For Evan Sheminar, I've been Jake Kelly, and for the fastest game on two feet and for the creator, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay classified.